here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. <laughs> From the Kissing Cousin Center in beautiful downtown Auburn, California. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Cinescape Magazine Movie Review Podcast. Right. Woohoo! What do you got, Joe? I saw a highly recommended movie on Amazon, which is called The Vast of Night. In the twilight of the 1950s, on one fateful night in New Mexico, young switchboard operator Faye and charismatic radio DJ Everett discover a strange audio frequency that could change their small town and the future forever. All right. So I believe there was an article that showed up on my entertainment feed, and then I I saw a Chris Stuckman review. And those two things made me get interested in in watching this. And so finally, you know, after about a week of, you know, you know, watching other stuff, I finally got to this movie because, you know, I, I, I like, I like, Alien stuff, alien abductee type stuff. It's really cool if it's done right. And I and look, it's one of those things. Like I don't believe in it. Like I believe there's other life out there. I just don't believe in all the shit that people say. I've been abducted. Blah blah blah. Right. But I still like stories. Sometimes it's just fun for me. Like you know, some people love Sasquatch, you know, or or Chupacabra or other shit. Right. I like alien type stuff sometimes, you know, so I can kind of watch like uh, ancient aliens and shit like that, even though I take all that stuff with a major grain of salt. Okay. So having said that, this is a really good movie. And I have to state this at the beginning, which is this is not for everybody because I read Amazon reviews and it's either one or the other. Either one side says it's fucking genius. And most critics are saying this is really good as well. And then the other side is this is boring, overrated piece of shit. There were nothing happens. Well, guess what? If you're someone that has the attention span of a little kid or a lot of people nowadays with this instant gratification society and the way entertainment has been shown, then yeah, you're not going to enjoy this movie because you're going to have expectations of where's the aliens? When, where's the action scenes? All this shit. And it's not. This movie is a slow build to a slow payoff <laughs> that there's no major there's no major action sequences in this film except for some really cool camera work and you know and just tense moments but that's it you know there's something at the end but i don't want to give away what exactly it is but even that isn't like independence day style type shit okay it's people that don't like this movie are the kind of people that should be going watching lego movie part two or trolls world tour or some shit like that this is not for them If you're listening and that's what you like, this movie is not for you. But for someone like me who can appreciate slow burn and good storytelling, I really like this movie. This movie is only an hour and a half. Uh, It's about 85 minutes before the end credits start. It's done on a $700,000 budget. There is like, I think about six scenes connected to this whole film. And it's all the main character, the two main characters in it. But they there there's not a bunch of scenes going here and there and there. It's just following these two characters for the most part and them trying to figure out what the sound is that they're they're hearing over the radio waves. Okay? And so there's long takes. Like each scene has a long take with it and it works. Like for this to be such a low budget film and to have long scenes like that, you think that it would be boring and it would be 
like, yeah, you can see the faults of, 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 you know, this being a new filmmaker and things like that. But no, it, it pulled me in. I, I actually felt the suspense with this way more than say watching, uh, I don't know, shit like fire in the sky or, you know, other alien abduction uh, type movies. This is different and it's really fucking cool. I, I bought into the mythology of it. You know, there is a scene in the movie where, where a guy calls into the radio station saying, I've heard this sound before. And then he goes into this like 10 minute story about when he was with the military. And I, I'm not going to give away any more of that, but just him telling the story and how good the acting is. I bought it and I bought every character in this film. There was no bad acting from anybody. Everybody brought their A game like, like they'd been acting their entire lives. All right. So very, very good. The two main characters are Faye, who's a 16 year old girl who works as a um, switchboard operator in this small town in New Mexico. And it's a, it's a fictional town created just for the movie. And then Everett Sloan, who runs the local, um, you know, radio station, which is called WOTW, which I, I wasn't even, I didn't even realize it until someone pointed it out on the trivia that it stands for war of the worlds. You know, it's, it's like a homage to it. Right. And this is what this, this movie is like. It's like, it's kind of like an episode of the outer limits and the Twilight Zone, you know, and it, the way it's presented and the way it starts, it starts with, you know, a pan and a slow pan into a television. And, and it starts off as an episode of this show called The Paradox or something like that. And then and then all of a sudden it becomes the movie itself. And there there's this one scene where it's this long take where uh, I found out that they put a camera on on a, on a um, like a, a moped or some shit or like a, you know, a scooter. And it goes from one part in the town all the way to the other part. And it's like a mile and a half or something. And it's done so well. It just pulls you into the movie. And and yeah, like I said, this is not one of those movies where if you're expecting something big to happen, you're going to be disappointed. But if you like good storytelling, good acting, and you don't set the bar too high in expectations, this is, to me, was a satisfying movie. Even the way it ended. It ended fine. I was good. I was happy with this shit. And if this guy who directed the movie, all right, Andrew Patterson, this, if this is how good he is with just a $700,000 budget, imagine what this guy can do with a $10, $50, 100000000 million budget. You know what I mean? This is really good. The cinematography is top-notch. Everything is top-notch, in my opinion, on this film. You know, I, I mean, I, there's not, it's not perfect, but it might, it's close enough, especially, like I said, with all of the, the limitations that this film does have. So, uh, The Vast of the Night is available on Amazon, and I, like I said, I do recommend it, if you're a slow, patient person. <laughs> but if you like flashy lights, nope. All right. You are not prepared for this one. Or maybe you are. <laughs> what do you got? Directed by Sam Furstenberg, stars Sho Kasugi, Lucinda Dickey, Jordan Bennett, and James Hong. It is the third film in Canon Films' Ninja Trilogy Anthology series, which I didn't know. I mean, at the time that I saw it when I was younger. Yeah. The first being Enter the Ninja. The second being Revenge of the Ninja. And then Son of Ninja. And then the third being Ninja 3, The Domination. This movie is awful. We did. We did I did a trivia on this. Christy Ryder, played by Lucinda Dickey. Is a telephone line woman and aerobatics. Good job, Mike. Aerobics instructor. She's possessed by the evil spirit of a fallen ninja warrior, Hanjuro, when coming to his aid. 
The spirit uses her body to carry out his revenge on the police officers who killed him. One of them is Billy Seckard, played by Bennett, who catches Christie's eye yet cannot explain her preoccupation with Japanese culture nor help her with her sudden blackouts. Out of options, they turn to a Japanese exorcist, Miyashima, or Miyashima, I will get to that in a minute, who manages to summon the ninja within her. Exorc the exorcist reveals he cannot force the spirit out of Christy, but that only a ninja can destroy a ninja. Christy and Billy are forced to seek out the aid of Goro Yamada, played by Kasugi, a ninja hunting the assassin within her for killing his clan. Okay. The three force the ninja out in a dangerous gambit that results in the spirit repossessing his own dead body and fighting Yamada to a fight to the death. Yes, that is exactly how it is written. Finally freeing all three of the curse of the Black Ninja. Okay, so let's just go through this. So, at the beginning of the movie, this dude is driving through the desert, I guess. Yeah. Goes into a cave, gets his ninja shit, turn, you know, puts it on, runs out of the cave, and runs all the way over to a golf course where he ends up killing... A senator, I guess, is essentially what he is. It's somebody important, at least. It's, par, all it's par for the course. I don't interrupt you when you're fucking doing your review. I'm, I, I, but I'm into it. I'm into what you're doing. No. No, you're not. I am. I'm listening. <laughs> you're not into it. <laughs> I stepped up to the T, didn't I? Shut up. <laughs> fucking dick. So, he makes his way to the golf course and proceeds to destroy everybody that's guarding this dude plus the guards that are the hired guards security guards and the dude and his girlfriend kills yeah. them all yeah and then runs away and and apparently like in between him killing all these people the a you know the 911 call happens so the police show up and drive onto the golf course in their cars in a high speed chase as the ninja is running this is the best part of this whole scene. The ninja is running away from the police down a dirt road with plenty of places for him to go to hide. Yeah. But no, he runs straight down the middle of the dirt road while this cop car is following him. Now, what's even better about that is the car is going too fast. So when they're filming from the crane view of the car chasing the ninja dude, the, the car has to hit its brakes so it doesn't run over the ninja guy, the guy <laughs> running in the ninja uniform. Yeah. And then it has to it has to wait for him to, you know, get farther ahead so that they can keep going. Yeah, right? yeah. And then of course he turns around and jumps on the car, stabs one dude, punches another dude, and then Mission accomplished. He, he kills he kills like five hundred cops. <laughs> and then he and, and then they surround him and start firing at him and he survives. Does he do a deadpool with the blades? No, 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 no. no. Okay. He doesn't he doesn't block any of that shit. He just he just survives uh -huh. getting shot. And my whole thing was, uh, I can't remember what it was, but um, uh, maybe, I, I can't remember the movie of what it was. It was like they shot him like 52 times, but they missed every vital organ. Vital organ, right? <laughs> it's just a flesh wound. Yeah. So he smoke bombs and disappears. And then the cops can't find it. Yeah. So they go back to doing their cop stuff, right? And then when they when they leave, he pops his head out of the sand and then goes back to his ninja cave, right? Or he's heading as he's heading back to his ninja cave. That's where we're introduced to Lucinda Dickey. You remember Lucinda Dickey from Breaking and Breaking Two? Okay, she was the dance 
girl. The she was uh Turbo and whoever's uh dance partner. Okay. The ballet. Electric the, Yeah, the ballerina chick. Right. So and the reason why that they put her in these movies is she was actually an aerobics instructor and a dancer. She was a professional dancer, you know, a stage dancer. Like Paul Abdul. Yeah. So that you know, basically just uh typecasting her. So she's uh she's she's a telephone utility person. She's climbing up the utility pole and sees the ninja stumbling around. Yeah. And then she crawls down the utility pole and walks towards him, but like like she gets lost. Like she knows where he's at. He's literally like forty five feet away. And all she has to do is walk in that one direction in this clearing forty five feet away. Yeah. But no, she has to she gets lost. I use that in quotes. Lost while walking through the sagebrush of the fucking desert. You know, this you know, it's it's actually Southern California. And she meets up with a ninja and he does the ninja Spock transference thing. <laughs> ESP, whatever he does, and and then she gets all of his memories, just like McCoy did in three Star Trek three. Yeah, that green blooded son of a bitch. Yeah, are you out of your Vulcan mind? So she gets all of his ninja abilities, and then like, <laughs> so no no buffering, no buffering. <laughs> <laughs> she ends up at being arrested. Because the cops find the dead ninja, right? Uh-huh. So, supposedly the dead ninja. Well, no, he's dead. He's They find the dead ninja. Uh-huh. Do you like wilt away? <laughs> no, they put him in the morgue. Uh-huh. Like once he transferred everything to her, he just... <laughs> no, he's just, he's just dead. He's just he, dead. Yeah. And they even did an autopsy on him and everything, right? So we'll get to that later. Get to that later. Because <laughs> when you do an autopsy on people, they take organs out. Yeah. But we'll get to that later. Okay. Later. Uh, much, much later. Okay. So. I think you're going to say like a rib bone shot out of his chest like a ninja star and he killed him. <laughs> no. <laughs> so as she's sitting there. I'm sorry. The cop that brings her in is talking to her like she's crazy. Yeah. You know, like she's like, I he, I just saw him. He, he's, he's fucking dead. Yeah. Who cares? You know, you, you brought me in for questioning, but literally I had nothing to do with it. I'm a utility line worker, you know. So. They're just giving her a whole lot of shit, and finally, like uh, the the good cop, you know, the the nice cop, the only one that that actually believes her. Yeah, the, you know, the one, you know, stop giving her a hard time. Yeah, you know, and then he gives her a coke. She's like, I don't want a coke. And he's like, Well, how about like coffee instead? You know, mm-hmm. go out and have coffee and discuss the case. Overthinking. And then as as she's sitting there, like. She'll literally mind blank and just give this evil eye to cops and shit like that because it's it's a memory thing. Like the the ninja is like coming for coming out of his shell or coming, you know, he's doing his ESP shit. Yeah, right. He's taking over. Is really what he's doing. And he, he's she's still loading. Yeah, <laughs> she's still, exactly. And she sees all these memories of all the cops shooting, and then she goes after that particular cop that she sees and kills him, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> But this, I mean, and this fucking goes on throughout the entire movie. She leaves the cop station, goes to her house. She has the ninja sword with her, and she leaves it, you know, as they're getting ready to leave. She leaves it on her uh, uh, nightstand or whatever. Her friend's over at her house. We all make that mistake sometimes. Yeah, you know, just leave the leave the katana out, right? Yeah. And her friend's like, what's this? And she's like, oh, you know, just a souvenir type of thing. She's all defensive of it. 
puts it away. And then they go and work out. And as she's, as they're at the, as they're aerobicizing or jazzercising or whatever you want to call it, right? They're getting physical. They are. The cop is there. So she, she's pretty much going to put him through his paces with the whole aerobics thing. And then he collapses and then she, she starts talking to him and she doesn't want anything to do with him. Like this is all within like five minutes, right? Of, of him meeting her. Okay. And then he follows her to her aerobics instruction place. And I know I'm not explaining it well, but it is what it is. Just piece it together. You're probably telling it better than the way the movie's telling it. So she leaves after her aerobics workout, you know, because she's, uh, she's done instructing for the day. Mm-hmm. And as she leaves, she sees one of her friends being assaulted by some of the guys that actually were in the gym watching them do their aerobicizing. And, like, they're going to rape her. What are the odds? So she ninja kicks the shit out of them and throws them against walls and all this other stuff. Because she didn't have the katana with her. Right. And then the cop comes up and says, well, you're under arrest to get her, to get her out of there. And he puts her in, he gets in the car. He drives like, I'm not really arresting you. I was just doing that. And then they, he drives her back to her apartment. And then, he, you know, he's like, well, well, let's go get some coffee or whatever. He's I'm like, he's like fucking laying it heavily on her. Right. Yeah. And then she's like, dude, I don't want anything to do with you. Yeah. And then he gets pissy and yells at her. And he's like, well, I just wanted a date, you know? <laughs> and then she turns and she's like, oh, okay, well, you can come upstairs, okay? So they walk upstairs to her house. And then, like like I said, this is all within 10 minutes. Now this is all within 10 minutes. Did she take a shower? No. Okay. No, she changes out of her clothes. Of course. Oh, no, she, you're right. She did. She took a shower. Did they, they show her in the shower? No, no. Okay. They show her with a towel. Saxophone playing. Yeah. <laughs> And he's sitting on, he's sitting there away for whatever. And then she puts on like a, a, a button down shirt and then she straddles him. And then, then the, the V8 scene happens with the sex. I, I ignored it because it was just so stupid. I, I had literally walked out of the fucking room <laughs> and went and had a cigarette. You missed, oh, it was good for you then. I did not miss out on it. I've seen that scene so many fucking times. I can't even watch it. It's so bad. And she pours V8 juice on her. They have sex. Now it's within 15 minutes of him talking to her, him getting mad at her, you know, and guilt tripping her. You know, I'm just a cop. God damn it. Bah, 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 bah. Right. Yeah. And now he's her boyfriend. That, no setup. And then the movie moves on. She kills all the cops that shot or she's trying to kill all the cops that shot and killed the ninja dude. Yeah. Right. Because he's possessed her. And the cop figures out that she's been possessed. Oh. And all this weird shit's happening, like The Exorcist and whatever else, and in her apartment. And yeah. It's, it's, you know, bad effects and lighting and smog or smoke and fog effects. And they bring her to The Exorcist. Now, I purposely, when we when I read the the whole background thing on, on Wikipedia, I purposely left out The Exorcist thing or who plays it in because it is ridiculous. This is atypical of Hollywood. Who would you think that they hired to play the exorcist? The Japanese exorcist. Mia Masha or Mia Misha or wherever it is. You had the noodle dream? Yes. Because you said James Hong was in this movie. I did. I did. So. Yes. The noodle dream. Oh, Mao Yin. Yes. My Mao Yin. <laughs> it was great. So, yes. James Hong plays the Japanese exorcist. Still alive. He's still alive. Still alive. Thank God. Yeah. Love James Hong. However, the casting was so bad. He's Chinese. (laughs) 
That's all I had to say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure they 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 used to do that all the time. Yeah. So a Korean dude playing well, a Vietnamese guy or something. Yeah. I, well, see, but James Hong has that face where he can look almost anything. Mm. American, Chinese, Japanese, dirty knees. Look at these. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is yeah. that he's Chinese. Yeah. So it's kind of ridiculous. You know, he's got the long fucking Fu Manchu mustache. Yeah. You know, the, the he's, a, he's like a, a, a good Kill Bill, right? Yeah. <laughs> he's just with the beard. <laughs> and he can't. So, okay. So this scene is also ridiculous. The nin, he, he gets the ninja to pop out, you know, and, you know, and, and take over her brain and body. Okay. And so she's actually, she's actually talking in Japanese and slowly turns into she's speaking American or English, right? Yeah. And and I'll kill you all, I'll kill you all, I'll kill you all. And then she starts flipping, right? Now, I don't know if you've ever seen this movie. I've seen it a hundred times. I've not seen this movie. It, it used to be on HBO all the fucking time. I had to do a 13 things about it, but I've never seen the movie. So she starts flipping. She's chained up, right? Yeah. And, and as she's flipping, it cuts back from her actually flipping around to there's just a dummy on the on these chains <laughs> yes. that they're flipping around like at a million miles an hour and you can tell it's a dummy because there is no there there is no heft to the body yeah it's just like it's like a pla- it's a mannequin yeah that they just strap to it with with her clothes on it's it it's like when you see someone pick up something that's supposed to be heavy in a movie and and the way they pick it up is like bullshit yeah but the the thing that gave it away was the hair was the head. Yeah. So when they were flipping it around, you could see the head kind of shake, <laughs> but then you see the hair flip and then you're like, oh my God, that's a fucking wig. Like Frank Drebin at the end of Naked Gun when uh, Priscilla Presley's being whipped around the crowd yeah. by Mercado Montalban. Yes. Frank! Yeah. Frank! Yep. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, there are scenes where, um, what was the one? Oh, it, in fact, I think that was- uh, He likes East German men. <laughs> where where he's saving her she's falling off a cliff and he grabs her and it's the big old muscular arm yeah. right that one yep and he just pulls her up yep i love those it's like a harlequin romance yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i love that shit when he when they do that he's like then they're always showing him with these fucking huge muscly arms yep. like schwarzenegger arms <laughs> so that's the scene that you know now they have to go and find the ninja dude that that the the pro the, the the protagonist the hero ninja dude right and then they they are able to exercise the ninja spirit out of her body he enters into his own body enter the ninja the one in the morgue the one in the morgue that has been autopsied with a y incision supposedly yes that's okay well, the autopsy standard for. right yeah with no organs and most likely you know no Whatever. blood. No blood. Yeah. Why not? And then they fight on a rooftop. Well, now he's lighter. <laughs> That's true. That is true. So now he's an evil spirit that is predestined. Now he's a yeah. zombie. And he no longer he's a fucking be- ninja zombie. He no longer, le- no longer needs to eat. Yep. Because so, he, he doesn't have a digestive so system. So how do you kill it? You cut off its head. Sure. <laughs> and that's how the movie ends. On a big rooftop battle. Does the ninja win? They both win. We all win because the movie's over. <laughs> this movie, like, I love bad movies. Sometimes it's really difficult to watch these. Like, I didn't know that there were three fucking movies. I didn't, but like I said, when I was younger, I saw this. Now, I've I've related these stories before. There, 
in San Jose, there was a dollar theaters like they were up here, the yeah. Birdcage, right? Yeah, the cheapies. I, I believe it was called Birdcage as well. But Yeah, we had Birdcage and Madison Gardens. Yeah, this was uh, at UA, the UA Cinemas or whatever it was called. And Sunrise Movie Theater, too. Well, that's Birdcage. No, no, no. Uh, Sunrise Mall had one inside the mall. Yeah, but that wasn't dollar movies. Uh, now it is, but yeah. It, I, yeah, I think at the time it was more, yeah, newer. Yeah, they, they had normal. Yeah, and Birdcage was the cheapies. So... The U.A. cinemas had dollar movies, yeah. and that's where I saw Runaway and Terminator and uh, Rambo 2 <laughs> and uh, all these and dollar movies, so they're going to be fucking cheapies. I saw, that's where I saw Creepshow, yeah. right? And I loved going to that theater. We would go like almost every weekend. Yeah. They, they used to have the 12, uh, the midnight uh, Rocky Horror showings there, yes. too. And, well, no, I'd see, I, I wasn't, they did, but this is a different, it's the same theater but different you know yeah. what i'm saying and that was in san jose this one's up here yeah yeah but that 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 strip mall was awesome because it had the video game store in it it had the fucking music land store so music land had not only tapes and cds it had fucking instruments yeah guitar stuff and so i in fact that's where i bought my first acdc album first acdc albums i should say it, so and then it had like a Marie calendars my dad loved Marie calendars so we go sign that said no stairway to heaven yeah no it didn't <laughs> Early 80s. <laughs> that didn't come till later. And um, yeah, so I, I would go to the theater and this is, that's where I saw Enter the Ninja. Or Ninja 3, not Enter the Ninja. I'm pretty sure I saw Enter the Ninja at some point. <laughs> but I, I've seen all three movies. But this is the worst of them. I have all three movies. Of course you do. And I had to watch this one because I'm an idiot. It just, it called to me. It became fun to talk about. Yeah. It called to me. I, I to. saw a shitty movie um, there called Sky Pirates. I at, love Sky Pirates. At Bird Cage. And I watched it multiple times. Sky Pirates, Ice Pirates. You thinking Ice Pirates? No, it's called Sky Pirates um, because um, I thought it was going to be called like Time Pirates, but it wasn't. And it wasn't Time Bandits. It was called Sky. It was like an Indiana Jones ripoff where the guy had a biplane and he was traveling, you know, back and forth through time, you know, and there was a MacGuffin thing that, you know, yeah, John Hargreaves, Colin Eggleston, came out in 1986. Yeah, I saw it multiple times at Birdcage Theater. That and, like, uh, Critters Part 2. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, I saw other movies there, too. But I always remember those ones because I w watched those multiple times. Just stay there all day watching that shit. How'd you get that? Yeah, it's hard to find that movie. I, I know you could find it, but, like, you can't just, like, you know, easily, when there were video stores, you could never find it inside a video store. It was just never available at all. I just Googled the shit out of it and found it. Yeah. There, my mom found one um, back in the early 2000s. She found a a, a, a VHS copy available in, from Britain, and it would only play on a Britain-type, you know, British uh, uh -huh. region, you know, VCR-type shit, so... I was like, no, and she, they, they, yeah, they wanted like 40, 40, 50 bucks for it. I'm like, no, I, I want to see it again, but not that bad. So, <laughs> God damn it. Sky Pirates, though, it's, um, I, I liked it when I was a kid, but I guarantee you if I watched it now, it's probably a huge chunk of shit. Most likely. Yeah. So, whatever. You know, it, 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 some, some, some things change. Some things I still love from my childhood. You know, like if I watch The, the NeverEnding Story, I still love that movie from start to finish. Everything about it. So, there's certain things that don't change. Certain that do, but some that don't, yeah. All right. You got anything else to add on that one? No, I'm done. I'm out. All right. So there's a movie I've been putting off watching for, I guess, for a year and a half now. And it's on Netflix. And it's, you know, one of the Netflix originals, which technically is not. They just 
bought the distribution rights from the company, which is Warner Brothers. And it's called Mowgli, Legend of the Jungle. And it's directed by Andy Serkis, who does the motion capture and voice for Baloo, the bear. Now, I have to say this up front. I recommend this movie. I actually really fucking enjoyed this movie. I only have a few little problems with it. But if you are going to watch this movie, based off my recommendation, you have to take this perspective into account. You have to try and not compare it to the 2016 Disney live action, and you cannot compare it to the Disney cartoon classic. Because if you do, you're not going to like this fucking movie. You can't. Think of this as a different telling of the classic tale, but done in a different way in certain regards. Okay? So, I'm going to run down the list of actors in this shit real quick for you. Christian Bale does the voice for Bagheera, the panther. Okay? Which I didn't even know that was him until I, I read the credits. Kate Blanchett plays, does the voice for Ka. All right? The, you know, the snake. And she also narrates the beginning of the movie and the end of the movie. And it's very, very comparable to her narration of the beginning of The Lord of the Rings. Very comparable. Like, I was like, oh, well, it kind of fits because Andy Serkis, right? Benedict Cumberbatch does, does the motion capture and voice for Shere Khan. And he doesn't sound like Smaug from The Hobbit, by the way. He does, he does a good job doing the voice on his own. Naomi Harris um, does the voice for one of the, wolf, the I think, of the mother wolf, Nisha. And um, uh, let's see, Jack Raynor does the voice for the Brother Wolf. Eddie Marzen does the voice for Vihan. I can't remember who that was. Tom Hollander, who played the, the guy who ran the East India Trading Company in the second and third Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Um, you know, the immaterial has become immaterial. <laughs> it's just good business. That guy, he does a voice for one of the characters. I don't know who. Uh, Frida Pinto's in there. She plays kind of the water pot girl. You know, that you see at the end of the Jungle Book cartoon, even though she's older in the movie. But she reminds me of that because she was carrying one on her head. And a kid named uh, Rohan um, Chand plays Mowgli. Okay, so what is cool about this movie is how it separates itself from the Disney versions is, and I'm not even bringing up the 2000 or the 1994 um, one with um, Jason Lee, who um, Jason Scott Lee. Who, who played um, Mowgli and also played uh, Bruce Lee in the Dragon movie. Um, I'm not even thinking about that movie at all, that live action. So anyway, how this movie distances itself is, first of all, there's no music in this movie. There's no, I mean, there's no actual song. There's a music, you know, there's a score, but there's no happy songs. There's no fun friendship building scenes in this movie. This movie is more serious. And it also, it doesn't deal with Mowgli on this journey to the man cub village, the man village. Instead, it deals with him growing up with this wolf pack family being trained by Baloo the whole time. Baloo is there with the pack training him how to be a wolf so he can join the pack when it's time, when it's called like the running of the wolves or something like that. Because if he can't join the pack, he has to be taken to the man village because Shere Khan wants to kill him, you know? So, and Shere Khan, and this is all stated at the beginning of the movie, Shere Khan's character kills Mowgli's family, you know, from the village. So, um, and so anyway, it's all about Mowgli's relationship with his friend, you know, um, with the other wolves. But most of the wolves look at him as a freak. And he's got this one friend of the wolf pack who's this albino who's like the runt of the litter. And it's a goofy kid, you know, goofy kid voice and stuff like that. 
and they get along with each other. They're best friends because they're both the outsiders. They're the misfits of the group. And uh, so, but Mowgli, it seems so it's even harder for Mowgli to fit in because he wants to be more than what he's being looked at as. And so, and, you know, so anyway, it just deals with Bagheera training him to become stronger and all this stuff like that. And then all of a sudden he gets like, this movie doesn't end the way the, the Jungle Book, uh, you know, the Disney versions end. It doesn't end with him going to the man village. Instead, he's a part of the man village halfway through the movie. Okay. And it's like I said, it's told differently. And there's the, like, there's a really sad moment that I'm not even going to get into because it's more shocking and just disheartening when you see it happen. But there's a, there's a, there's a hunter that's also involved, a human hunter that's been hired by the Indian village to, um, to uh, track down Shere Khan because Shere Khan keeps killing sacred cows, things like that. And Mowgli's involved with the village for a little while. And then he, you know, goes back with the wolves and, and it, it's just, it's like I said, it's done more seriously. It's not as serious as it could have been, but it's definitely not Disney uh, family friendly in, in that regard. It, it, this is like it balances between PG-13 and almost an R rating with some of the violence that happens in the movie, which, yeah, certain things Disney would not touch on in their film. If I had to make a complaint about this film, my major complaint would be the visual effects. If the visual effects in this movie were as good as the Jungle Book from 2016 that John Favreau did, I would I would say this is a great movie. But the visual effects hold the movie back because even though they're good, they're like if you you know you normally watch this, they're like not bad, but they're still cartoonish enough that it takes you out of the realism of the movie. And also, then here's another big problem too: the good that the the and this fixes it. But the first thing I noticed was the motion capture on the faces of all the animal characters. They're way too like, it looks like what they did was they got the actor's face and implemented about 25% of their face onto this animal's face. So it's like creepy. Like when you watch the cats, you know, um, you know, cats trailer, it's kind of like that in a way, not as bad, nowhere near as bad, but it reminded me of cats. And so the animals like the wolves and, and Shere Khan and, and Bagheera and, and Baloo, they all have human eyes, not fucking animal eyes. They're human eyes with human eyelids and wrinkles. And, and some of the facial features are human and it throws you off. It, you know what it reminded me of? Remember the scene in the 1979 Invasion of the Body Snatchers where the homeless guy with his dog falls asleep next to a pod? And then all of a sudden they see later where the dog had morphed with the homeless guy and it has the guy's face with the dog. It looked kind of like that. Creepy. And so that for, it was a distraction when I'm watching this movie. And then, but what saved it at all was the performances. The acting was really, really good. So after a while, it didn't bother me anymore. So I think that maybe even after another viewing, I wouldn't even give a shit anymore about it. But after one viewing, it, it is a problem. And it does hold the movie back from being, in my opinion, a great movie. So, but I like this movie. A lot of people don't. A lot of critics were half and half on it. But I actually enjoyed seeing the Jungle Book story told. Oh, I'm sorry. The Mowgli tale. Because apparently the Jungle Book's a bunch of different stories. It's not just Mowgli's tale. Right. So, this one's more Mowgli's story. And it's being told in a different way that I could appreciate because it didn't try to be family-friendly fun. Instead, it was more gritty 
And that's what I appreciated about it. It didn't try to say, oh, well, I can make it, you know, uh, I can make uh, like Disney, you know, just do my version. No, it doesn't feel like that at all. It feels like it, it goes into its own thing. So it never feels like it's trying to copy the Disney versions at all. It really doesn't, you know. So I do recommend uh, Mowgli, the um, Legend of the Jungle on Netflix. The Legend of the Jungle. Yeah, it's been and it's been on there for about a year and a half now. Uh, it came out in, uh, at the uh, Christmas time of 2018. So yeah, year and a half. And yeah, I do not regret watching. I'm like, fuck, I should have watched this sooner. So that's what I got. Okay. All that's right. all we got for this show. All right. Thanks for listening and uh, go watch some Netflix. Yep. Good night. <laughs>